This is Channel 253. In this episode of Citizen Tacoma. Some people use the word reform. I'm not a big supporter of the word reform because reform to me means you take what's broken and you move it around and you try to make it better. To me, when you transform something, you break it and you pick up the pieces that will work and you transform it into something new. And, and I think we need to let go of the system. And I know that's really hard. And when I say let go, let go of how the system was built. Um, and really get back to protecting and serving. Did you know Channel 253 is member-supported? I'm producer Doug Mackey, and I hope you will show your support by going to channel253.com slash membership and join. Thank you. Citizen Tacoma, my heart beats true Citizen Welcome back to another episode of Citizen Tacoma. I'm your host, Eric Hanberg, and today we are sitting down with Victoria Woodards. This is the third interview in our series on candidates running for uh, Tacoma mayor. Uh, all three of these folks, Jamika Scott, Steve Haverly, and Victoria Woodards, will be on your primary ballot. Give these three a listen, um, and let's get to the interview. <laughs> Welcome back. We are here for our third interview in the Tacoma mayoral race, and I am sitting down with Mayor Victoria Woodards. Welcome to the podcast, Victoria. Thank you so much, Eric, for having me. Such a pleasure to be here today. It's good to have you. And uh, I want to ask you the question that I'm asking many candidates this race. What is your Tacoma story? Oh, wow. Um, I feel like I've told it a hundred times, but but... Would love to tell. There's, there's a lot of new people in town, the, so hey, let's, ta- let's, let's, let's tell let's to tell them. Let's tell them all. So, um, I'm not born here. Born in California. My mother and father moved here when I was three. My dad was in the Air Force, so he was stationed at what was then McCord Air Force Base. My mother is from England. Um, I didn't and know that. Yeah, she's from England, and they settled here, and so I've been here ever since the age of three. Grew up in Tacoma. Um, went to Roosevelt Elementary School, Truman Middle School, and Lincoln High School. And actually, spent a year at Bethel, um, because and we'll we'll get into all these we'll get into all this. But you know, my 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 background is a story of a family who um, really, um, after my mother and father got divorced, um, were were very much um, poor. And 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 it's so hard. It's hard. It's hard. It's even hard for me to say the word because mm. I never felt like I was poor because my mother always found a way to take care of us. And so we moved around a lot um, in Tacoma. I think um, I say I've lived in almost every neighborhood mm. in this city because there was something affordable in every neighborhood in this city. So um, grew up here, and then like I said, went to Lincoln High School. Um, Mom and dad divorced when I was when I was younger, and so grew up basically in a single family household um, from the age of ten. And so um, when I got to high school, nobody was talking to me about going to college. Um, it just wasn't something back in the 80s. I can't believe I just I just gave my age away, Eric. <laughs> but it, it just wasn't something nobody in my house has ever had a degree. So it wasn't something that I got really pushed to do. So in high school, um, I ended up uh, needing some um, extra credits, and I took ROTC. And that is how I ended up going into the military. Okay. Um, and so I joined the military. I was I always loved to serve my community. So I thought, wow, this is great. I can serve my community and I can see the world. And I can get a really good trade or a skill. 
And so I said, okay, I'm, I'm going to do this. I joined the military um, uh, in June and um, was leaving in August. And I thought, okay, this is going to be great. I'm going to go see the world. And I got through all my training and got stationed at Fort Lewis, Washington. <laughs> so I thought, well, maybe I'm not meant to go anywhere else. And spent three years in the military uh, at, at Fort Lewis and then got out of the military and stayed here. So okay. I've had a chance to work in in in. Uh, in the public sector, in the private sector, in the nonprofit sector. Um, so I've been able to just have a lot of experience in Tacoma. I saw in the Voter's Guide something that I'm not sure I remembered that you worked for the Rainiers at some point. I did. That um, is cool. Yeah, it was it was really fun working for our local baseball team and really developing their community development program. Okay. Yeah. Very awesome. Um You've been mayor for four years. Yes, three and a half. Three and a half, you're right. <laughs> um, why are you running for another term? You know, um, when I was thinking about, you know, when I was weighing out, are you, are you ready to run again? Because so many people in this time are not running. Um, there is a trend, I've noticed that. There yeah. really is. And a trend across the country, a lot of my mayor friends are not seeking, you know, you look at Keisha Lance Bottoms from Atlanta, not seeking a second term. It's been a really, I mean, it's a difficult job. Anyway, but it's it's even more difficult in the middle of what I consider two pandemics, right. um, the pandemic of COVID-19 and systemic racism. And so it's just been a really difficult year. But I, you know, as I really searched my soul, because it really is about service and I want to do the best job. I don't want to run just to run. Um, I want to I want to run because I want to serve this community. And so when I as, as I took some time to really think about it, I thought, you know, we um, I believe that we are at a time in our history um, and not just in Tacoma, but in this country, where there are changes that we can make towards equity, towards changing um, systemic racism, um, towards building better jobs and better cities, and and I think we're 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 just at the at the core of that. And I want to be a part. I've led us in the pandemic. I want to lead us out of the pandemic, and I want to finish so many of the things that we've started and address so many of the issues um, that we'll talk about. Um, later on. But I just I want to continue to serve and I want to make a difference in this place we call the city of destiny. Thank you. You mentioned the issues. What do you think the, the three biggest issues are <laughs> affecting Tacoma right now? I love that. I was thinking as I was driving. It's funny when you're running, it's really easy to go. I want to change these three things. When you're elected, it's really hard to find just three that is true. things. And so, yeah. as you well know, as a yeah. parks commissioner, right, it's like, I want to do all of these things. But I think Tacoma's facing a lot of issues. So let me let me I'll, I'll, I'll try to stick with three. I might end up with four. But okay. then I'll give you my overall arching thing. So one of the things that that obviously is is very um very clear to everyone is we really have got to get through COVID. We really, um, we are a resilient community, but we have got to build back better out of COVID. And that means everything, everything from, you know, all, all of the, the issues that our students are going to face coming out of COVID, families, daycare, jobs, um, you know, all the things that we're going to need to recover from COVID, our small businesses. Um, so really, really want to lead us out of COVID and, and do more of the supporting that we've, that we've been doing of our community, um, but build back even better. Um, the second thing that is very clear to everyone is the fact that we have an affordability and homeless crisis. We, it was declared an emergency. I wasn't on the council at the time it was declared an emergency, but it is still an emergency. And what we've seen through COVID is it has really exacerbated 
all of the issues, but really our affordability and homeless issue has been extremely exacerbated by COVID. And when we, when we think about the eviction moratorium expiring, um, that gives me even greater pause because the issue is going to become even bigger. And so I, I really, I really want to continue to address uh, to address that. And and hopefully by my second term, maybe it won't be an emergency. But you know, as I talked again, as I talked to mayors across the country, this is not an issue just in Tacoma. It's an issue everyone is facing, and no one has found like the magic potion or the magic. You know, no one's found a way to solve it all. But we're learning and we're trying together, and I think that's important. And I think, uh, finally, you can't talk about recovery or any of these things without talking about economics, meaning small businesses, all of our businesses, but especially our small businesses, which are kind of the backbone of our city, and then making sure that they grow and survive um, because they are, they are employing our next group um, of, of, of workers. And so, um, and that's both small business and big business, right? So, so making sure that we are sustaining um, our business climate and our business culture here in Tacoma um, so that we can continue to get good paying family wage jobs. And then I will end with this because I could talk forever about this, but I think, and then all of these things. So I only gave you three, but all of these things have an overlay of looking at them through an equity lens Mm. and looking at them through a transformational lens. How are we making sure that everybody can fulfill their destiny in in this place that we live in, but making sure that we are also removing barriers for those in our community who need it the most. Thank you. You're welcome. Let's let's talk about the economy a little bit because we have small businesses that are really hurting. So many restaurants are closed and are probably not coming back. I'm sure retail um, is is still going to have a very slow recovery. Yeah. Um, what do you want to see happen to improve uh, the, those businesses so they can start hiring again? What what should we be doing about that? Well, so the first thing that we're focused on right right now is June 30th. The day that the economy is, is, you know, the day that we get to reopen. Um, But I think, so I think there's something that we as a city can do. I think there's something businesses can do. But I also think that we as a community, there are things we can do. And number one is we can make sure that we're getting vaccinated and keeping COVID um, and, and, and wearing our masks. I mean, maybe by June 30th, if you're vaccinated, you won't have to wear a mask. But we've got to be doing the right things in community to make sure that once we open up, that we can stay open and yeah. that we don't we don't begin to see the in, the increase in numbers that we've seen with COVID because that's what's really been hurting our economy a lot. Yeah. So so I just I just want to be very clear about that. Um, but I think there are a couple of things there. We've been working really hard at the city. We um, have put lots of we've done both grants and um we, we've given money and we've loaned money. Um, and so I think continuing to do that, I think it's been hard to do in COVID because the way you can outreach to businesses is different. But um, I'll give you a really good example of, of as we open up and as we get to have interactions and understand businesses' needs. Um, there is a small business owned by a BIPOC community member that one of our um, economic development employees just happened to come in there, happened to come in their in their coffee shop and actually um, started talking with the owner, got him to apply, walked him through the process. And he got, he got, I can't remember if he got a grant or a loan, but he got assistance from the city. Right. So 
it's going to be really out going out and talking to those BIPOC businesses and all of our businesses to see how we can support them, whether that is access to capital, whether that um, can be potential infrastructure needs, especially for a lot of our restaurants who have been hurting and who are, are going to open or for people who even for those who reopen and for those who want to start new businesses coming out of COVID. You know, a lot of people aren't returning to the workplace. So maybe we have a whole new crop of entrepreneurs, but I want to make sure that we can provide them the space and the service to be successful. So continue to support programs like SpaceWorks and and providing that real support for businesses so that they can grow. It's great to say, you know, we want to support small businesses, but I hope that that every time we say that, that there's a new crop of businesses that are coming in and we're taking those small businesses and growing them to medium-sized businesses. So, so I I mean, so I think there there are some things we've been doing, um, but I think also providing, working with the chamber and other community members to provide just real one-on-one support for businesses, for those. I mean, the the chamber and the Economic Development Board um, have access to, to, to expertise and to individuals and to capital that can support some of our BIPOC and small businesses. So continuing those partnerships as well, as well as working with the county. So we have, uh, as it's often considered, an economic driver at the Port of Tacoma. And there's also a lot of questions about its direction, its future, because of fossil fuels, because of climate change. The city has been taking a more active role than historically, looking at like sub-area plans mm-hmm. for it and things like that. Um, what's your sense of the future? What should the future of the port be? And do we have to choose between... Um, climate change, uh, fossil fuels, and and some of those jobs that people rely on? I mean, we've got to make good decisions, right? But but I think the idea that it's got to be the environment or jobs, or it's got to be the port or community, right? I, I think that is a false narrative. And I hate when people say that because they both can coexist. We can take care of the environment and create new jobs. Um, we can absolutely do, do both. But I think the sub-area plan, which has taken us a little while to get started, but I'm okay with that because what we have done in getting a slow start is that we took the time to make sure that all five local governments who have um, uh, who have uh who have in, an investment in what the port looks like, making sure that all of them are at the table to help us plan for the future of the Port of Tacoma. Um, and then also you've got government, but also then making sure we've built a community um, committee that is that is also giving their input. So having everybody's input. But let me be clear about the port. We have a deep water working port. Um, it is, it, and that's what it should be. That's our. That's one of our greatest assets as a city. It. We should want to grow. We should want to. We should want to have more ships. We should want to. You know, we can create greener jobs. It doesn't. It doesn't have to be the dirty bunker fuel that we've had before. We can do better, and we are doing better in some instances. So, but I want the port to stay a working port. Um, I don't see us putting, you know, a, a, a super mall down at the park. You're not going to go shopping at the port. That would just be a total waste. But right, those those really good traditional, and and I shouldn't say not just traditional, but those really good family wage paying jobs um, that we have down on the port. But we've also got to prepare for the environmental future. And I think as we go through this process, what I'm really focused on 
is how do we do more renewables? How, how, how do we do more green energy? How do we do more green jobs? You know, I've been one to talk about, um, we've been working for the past four years looking at how we could bring CLT or cross-laminated timber, bringing a cross-laminated timber company to the port of Tacoma. Um, and there are just so many opportunities to be a working port with more shipping containers. Um, you know, th those are the great opportunities of the port. But I think the sub area planning, having the input from the entire community about the future of our port is what I want the port to be. It's not personally what I want to see happen. It's what this community wants. And it's my it's my job then to take all that feedback and work towards that. Um, and that's what I think we're doing in the sub area plan. Um, and I hope everybody will continue to engage as we think about renewables. Um, I hope, you know, you'll hear that in September, we just sent the Planning Commission's recommendations back to um, the Infrastructure Planning and Sustainability Commission to kind of, or committee, to kind of dig in um, and, and look at look at what the Planning Commission has put before us and bring something out that, that is in the middle of what business wants, but also what's good for community. I think you'll see some limitations on fossil fuels um, out of that. And I think that's not a surprise. Our community has been calling for that. But our businesses are also, our businesses also want to get into renewables. They're not, they're not content with just doing dirty, dirty fossil fuels. They want to get into renewables and a lot of them are. So we want to support them and reward that kind of growth in Tacoma. Okay. You also mentioned when on your list of issues uh, affordable housing and homelessness. And why don't we take those separately for just sure. a second? I'll start with affordable housing. What do you see? What's what's the what is causing the crisis that we're having in your view? Like, what are the factors that's coming into that, and sure. how should we address it? So. I think there are a few things. And I say a few because I'm like, is it two or three? I think there are a few things. Um, number one, just availability, right? I mean, supply and demand. We have very little supply and a lot of demand. And we know that when you have little supply and a lot of demand, that rises the cost. So I, I think that's a really huge factor, My, maybe one of the biggest factors as we talk about affordability. And I think the first thing we've got to focus on is more housing. Of, of every type. Um, we, you know, we get a lot of pushback sometimes about the um, MFTE, the multifamily tax exemption. Okay. And, and so, but, but we're doing that because it was, you know, the MFTE was put together for economics, not, not for affordable housing, but we're using it as a tool. It's not the best tool, but it is a tool, one of the very few tools we have in our toolbox um, to address affordable housing. So that, that's one thing we're looking, you know, we need housing at every level to increase um, the supply. The other thing that we've done since I've been mayor is recently we just passed another one-tenth of one percent for sales tax to go towards affordable housing. We know that for every dollar the city invests, it spurs another 16 or $17 in additional investment. So if we have more to support more affordable housing in Tacoma, we'll get more housing built. Hmm. Um, and so we, we've, we've done that. That will net another 4 to $5 million a year that we can support um, affordable housing in Tacoma. We've also set aside we have affordable housing trust fund. Um, and so we put 1.2 in before the pandemic. Um, we put, I think, another million plus. And so we're building up our affordable housing trust fund because a million dollars will not go very far in building um, either houses or apartment complex or duplexes. Right. So I think investing, um, making sure that we can use 
that money and bond against that money to provide even a larger pot of money oh, to see. support. Okay. So so the idea is that, you know, we'll bond the, the sales tax dollars to be able to make bond payments, but then we'll be able to bond against $20 million, right? And, and be able to make real investments and work with both. And I want to be really clear. We have some amazing nonprofit developers in our community, like Tacoma Housing Authority, like Mercy Housing. And so working with them to help us create affordable housing, but there are also private developers who are driven by, not just by the bottom line, um, although I don't blame them, let me be clear, right, we all have a job to do, but there are some who are driven by taking care of their employees, but also giving back to communities. So I think that there are developers that we can work with to either provide additional infrastructure dollars or just ways for it to pencil for them to build more affordable housing. So those housing. So those are a couple of things we've done. We haven't even talked about, you know, we've got our affordable housing action strategy, um, that we're focused on looking at things like a community land trust. We can talk about that through when we talk about homelessness. But those are just some of the things that we're doing to spur development in Tacoma. And I think as we come out of this pandemic, you'll be hearing a lot more from the city and doing more calls for proposals and finding ways to work with. As a matter of fact, I should say we've already got a list of people who have been who have been signed up to get some support from the city in order to build. So those are just a couple ways I could talk about it again because there's a lot we're doing in this area. But there's yeah. there are just a few things. Do you think the home in Tacoma proposal should the council adopt that uh, help? I I absolutely think so. Um, and I'm, thank you for saying it because I was going to say it and I was like, oh, hold on. I think it absolutely will. I think what we've got before us now, and again, we're talking in June. Um, I think what before what we've got before us now will tweak will tweak a little bit with more community input before we get a final project, but. Um, I, I agree we've got to look at density and how it makes sense in our communities. I am by no means saying that we should wake up 50 years from now and Tacoma will be a city of duplexes. I don't I don't believe that or or apartment buildings. We should we should have housing. We should have every type of housing in Tacoma um, because people want to live in different types of housing and even at different points in their life. But I always point to a development that every time I drive by it, as beautiful as the houses are, I think, boy, if we'd had home in Tacoma. But over on the south end, where Manitou Elementary School used to be, yep. the, the, that the park district sold, right? Yep. And and so that ended up being turned in. I think there are 10 or 12, 2,000 square foot plus houses that sold for 400 plus thousand dollars. That was a nice piece of land. If we'd have turned that into duplexes or triplexes, it wouldn't have changed the neighborhood that much, but we would have been able to house two or three times as many people. And honestly, that probably would have been a better design for that neighborhood. So in, in Home and Tacoma, one of the things I'm I'm looking at is how can we make sure when we get these, these large parcels of land, because we don't get them very often, how we make sure that we're building the best kind of housing. Again, I don't think we probably should have put a 10-story apartment building in that neighborhood, but we could have put duplexes or triplexes all around that were just two stories, like most of the houses are, and done better. So I think those are the kinds of things that we've got to get smarter about. You know, also, um, we just sent to the Planning Commission an opportunity to look at what other um, what other options we might have, what other innovations are out there. We're looking at shipping containers now, how we can better use those. But I think, I think in home in Tacoma, as we um, get through it, we're gonna. I think there are going to be some innovative ideas about what density looks like. But I gotta tell, I gotta tell my community, we've got to do something. People are moving here. Um, kids are growing up and not wanting to live with their parents, and so we've got to be able to provide more housing. So 
let let's transition then to the homelessness question. And mm-hmm. I guess it would be the same question to you. What is what is causing the issue in, in your view and, and what can we be doing to alleviate it? Homelessness is such a complex issue. Some would say it's the afford- it's the affordability crisis, right? People can't afford to live indoors. Some would say um, it's mental health, it's behavioral health. Um, some would say it's people who don't who want to live on the streets, right? I mean, you talk to different groups, and if you looked at my email inbox one day, you would see I get I get emails on every spectrum. But but it's complex, and there are a lot of issues that our our homeless community faces. But again, it really is about as we look to solve homelessness, it isn't a one-size-fits-all. It isn't a, well, let's just build a lot of um, tiny home sites in Tacoma and that will take care of it. It really is more about we need more permanent supportive housing. Um, we need to surround um, some of our community members who are homeless um, with services, right? It's, it's Some people won't always be able to live in an apartment on their own. They need supportive services. As a matter of fact, just this morning, um, I had an opportunity to go and retour um, the the Salishan, the um the the emergency site? Yeah, yeah, it's the emergency site and the 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 apartments that they've built there. And I mean, it is so it's so amazing to have a crisis residential center at Arlington Drive. Name comes to me now. Um Arlington Drive. It's it, they have a crisis residential center and then they also have an apartment building, 58 apartments for for youth 18 to 24. And what I heard this morning is over 50% of the kids who came there were actually homeless. And I, okay, so I apologize. I call kids anybody under 55, so I don't mean <laughs> to offend anybody. But, but the young people who were there, those are 58 young people. And, and they're not just individuals. They're families with kids who are no longer on our streets. And that's permanent supportive housing. Right. They've got they've got counselors and access to career counselors and job fairs and access for for family care. And, you know, just those things that they've never learned, they get that support. And so we need more of that in our community. But I don't think there is one reason why someone is homeless, homeless, which is why I don't think there is one fix for homelessness. Um, We have got to have options on a continuum that support the needs of every person who's houseless in our community. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, I think with that, as uh, the host checks his notes, um, we are going to take a break. Okay. And uh, when we come back, we are going to uh, talk about uh, policing, equity, and racism in Tacoma. Sounds great. Stick around. Hello, friends. This is Marguerite Martin, creator of MoveToTacoma.com and co-founder of Channel 253. It's bad out there, folks. Home prices in Pierce County are up 15% year over year. While it's no secret that the market is hot, you may not know that Tacoma has been the hottest housing market in the country for several years. There is an extreme shortage of homes for buyers to buy. Having a local Tacoma buyer's agent that specializes in the neighborhood and price range you're after can mean the difference between losing or winning the bid on your dream home. If you're looking to sell your current home and find something that meets your needs better, having a neighborhood expert handle your listing will impact how much money you net off of your sale. The right agent to market and sell a home on the West Slope might not be the same person who has the expertise and connections to find you an income generating duplex somewhere else. All agents have specialties and I know the players for every niche. 
Best of all, it doesn't cost you anything. Great local agents are happy to pay me a finder's fee if you end up buying or selling. And you can rest easy knowing you're gonna get a great agent who specializes in exactly what you're looking for. If you wanna learn more, visit movetacoma.com and use the contact form. Thanks for listening to Channel 253. Thank you to uh, our sponsor and thank you to the members of Channel 253 who are supporting podcasts such as this one. For $4 a month or $40 a year, you can help keep the lights on, keep us going, keep the uh, keep the the recording recording, <laughs> the microphones recording. How's that? Channel253.com slash membership to support. And we are here with Mayor Victoria Woodards, who during uh, the break mentioned something um, that you wanted to add about uh, the homeless question. And I just wanted to give you that opportunity. Thank you so much, Eric. You know, what I wanted to add is I talked about the fact that we need options on a continuum. Um, One thing, you know, the county has come together and the Pierce County Coalition for Homelessness have come together and and they have a they have a goal to end street homelessness by November of 2021. It's a big goal. But if you don't set a goal, you're not pushing towards anything. So I'm really excited about the goal. Um, But I but I think one of the issues is I talked about having, you know, a place having a options on a continuum is one of the things that our community is has not been able um, to put together yet, and we're working on it, is really low barrier sites in our community. Um, we've we've now stood up three TEM sites, um, temporary emergency micro shelters, and those in the communities that they've gone into, you know, you hear community members saying, don't bring it to our neighborhood. And then when it gets there, you hear them saying, when's it going to get here? Um, and so, so we found some real success um, in operating our, our temp sites, but but we we've we've got to do more, and so we're looking at our property. Um, I'm I am currently asking anyone who has access or knows of additional property, either privately owned or owned you know owned by another public entity that we don't know about. If you've got a site in your neighborhood, um, or if or if you know of a piece of land that people are willing to work with us on, we are really looking for more partners. The city can't solve this issue alone. We need our whole community. And I, I do have to also say that our community has been incredibly patient and supportive of the encampments. But we have got to... We've got to take care of both our houseless community and our entire, our housed community. Um, and our houseless community deserves more dignity and more support than they have just living on our streets. We need to provide them with additional services. And so just want to get that plug in. If you're interested in helping us out um, or, or have access to or know of uh, a site, please, or you want to be a partner, please reach out to us. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you. Um, Talking about uh, equity, policing, racism in Tacoma, this question, this first question comes from uh, Audrey Cunningham on the What Say You podcast. Um, do you consider yourself to be anti-racist? I work on it. I work on it every day. Um, you know, there are, there are lots of people who look at the definition of what racism is, and someone would say as an African-American woman. So let's, for those of you who haven't met me before, let's be very clear, I am a black woman. Um, and some people say um, that because I am a black woman, um, I, I'm not racist. 
Um, but 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 I th- I think that we all have whether you say use the word racist or bias. I think we all have biases. Um, life experience, things that get in, things that we watch on TV, games that our children right, all of these things. Biases exist in all of us, and I think we're all a work in progress. But to admit that we're a work in progress, and to be willing to learn and change, that's what being anti-racist means to me. Thank you. You're welcome. We are in a really difficult spot as a community when it comes to policing um, and have been for some time uh, that that you could start that with, um, you know, the, the homicide of, of Manny Ellis, um, there, although there are many other things that you could point to in our history as well. Um, what do you think we need to do to get out of this difficult place that we have between uh, around policing and public safety? Every time I think about a question like this, um, when people ask a question, it, it, it feels sometimes like, all right, we can just uh, we can just go out and give this training and wake up tomorrow and everybody goes through the training and it's all going to be better. And it's not. Um, one of the reasons um, I'm running again is because I want to be the mayor of transformation. I want to be the mayor who transforms all of the systems that create barriers for our community. But we're talking specifically about policing. When you think about um, how policing started Hmm. and you think about the effects that it's had on people who look like me um, and other BIPOC community members, we didn't get here overnight. Um, It is, it is, if you say 200, 400, whatever number you're comfortable with, but, but, but it's been a long time. And I will also say that, that getting over this, while it is about the people who do the job it's about the system we've created that they work inside. Because I believe there are, there are, I honestly believe it, and no, not just to believe, I know police officers right here in Tacoma who wake up every day wanting to serve their community and keep their community safe. So I don't, I don't think it's just about the individuals who do the work, but it is about changing the expectations and the way the system works works. So when we talk about, some people use the word reform. I'm not a big supporter of the word reform because reform to me means you take what's broken and you move it around and you try to make it better. To me, when you transform something, you break it and you pick up the pieces that will work and you transform it into something new. And and I think we need to let go of the system. And I know that's really hard. And when I say let go, let go of how the system was built. Um, and really get back to protecting and serving. And maybe it should be serve and protect. Maybe it should be the other way around because it really is. Our police officers provide a service to this community. Um, but we know as, as much as I love my city and there's a fight going on about who loves it more. But as much as I love my city, I know that we're not perfect and we've got a lot of work to do. So I think it starts with a couple things. Number one, I think you cannot transform a police department without involving those who do the job. So as we look at transformation, bringing our police officers along with us, it, we can't do it to them. We have to do it with them. So I think, I think it starts there. I also think that it's not just for the city to decide how we transform, but it really is about in, involving the community because safety 
means something different to every community. We just finished going, we just finished getting these 64 recommendations from 21st century policing about what we need to do to better our department and to transform our department. And part of that means developing a community safety strategic plan, which means identifying, talking to our community and identifying what makes you feel safe. For some people, it would be a cop on every corner. For some people, it would be a cop they could never see, but streetlights and parks and infrastructure um, and in their community, right? So I, I think us not defining that public safety just means more police. And then and then looking at the way we police. Um, and, and so, you know, if, if we took those two things, if we just involved the police in this transformation and then talk to our community about what transformation is, that's that, that, those are two great things. But we've gone further. I, like I said, 64 recommendations from 21st century policing. We, um, we took the Obama pledge and, and, and stuck with it. And so we finished the Obama pledge. We've implemented eight can't wait. We just got our diversion study back of how we're trying to move things out of the police department. I think police have also, also been called these days to kind of like the teacher. Remember, you used to just teach. You used to just police. Now they're having to do so much more like teachers. And so we're asking them to be social workers. We're asking them, you know, to, to, to work with our homeless community. And that's um, and, and we're not giving them necessarily all the training they need to be able to do that, just like teachers. So I think, I think again, police are one side of it. But let me be very clear as I'm talking about what we can do with our police department. Our community has suffered at the hands of law enforcement um, of that system and even in some cases of individuals who are part of that system. And, and we cannot continue to operate in the same way without taking into account what we've done. So I think one of the things as we talk about moving forward, we started Project Peace several years ago and we're relaunching Project Peace 2.0. But the other thing that we're doing is that the only way to get past hurt and pain is, number one, to acknowledge it. So we um, were able through uh, through a partnership with the National Network of Safe Communities, they chose Tacoma as a place to come and do reconciliation work. They've done it across the country, um, and now they're coming to Tacoma in partnership. They got a grant. They decided to bring it to Tacoma. And so we're going to start with healing, with racial healing, with reconciliation, with admitting that harm has been done and allowing people to express that harm and to get past that harm. Again, we did some of that in Project Peace, but over the next coming months, we're going to start there with the acknowledgement, and then we're going to continue to implement and find out what changes our community wants to see, giving our Community Policing Advisory Council more authority, right? So there's just, I, like, I, you can see me, I can just, there's so much work to do, um, and there's not just one quick fix. Do you... Um... What significance do you attach or what meaning should a listener take to the fact that uh, these officers have been charged with manslaughter or murder in the case of the homicide of Manny Ellis? This, this is a very un, infrequent thing. It's, it seems to be new. What's, what's your take? I sit quiet for a moment because... Um, Obviously, uh, the entire city has has really been in pain, um, and this has. Um, but what I say, and but it has such an effect on everyone. Um, most importantly, the Ellis family, um, and and the mother and the sister and the brother, 
um, and, and 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 kids. So so that so that's one part of it. Um, and 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 I have to be honest; it has impacted me both professionally as the mayor of the city, but both personally um, as a black woman who lives in this city, who interacts with these police officers, and. I think in some instances it's really pitted our community against one another. You're either for the Ellis family or you're for the police department. You're either, you know, due process for Manny Ellis or due process for the police. But we live in a society where you have to be able to do both. We we are mourning with the family of 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 Manny Ellis and so and you know and and supporting them. We were at the state legislature. I was there, testified at almost every hearing on getting independent investigations um, passed for this entire state. Um, so, so, so that 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 is a part. That is a big part of caring for the Ellis family and getting them through it. Um, there's also a police department um, that gets up every day to serve this community. That 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 has members who are hurting. And I think it's so easy to want to take one side or other, but but due process will, it, the the trial will happen, the charges have now been filed, the trial will happen, and, and I will let the system take care of that while I take care of my community and healing from this tragedy in Tacoma and trying to make the kinds of changes that we need through transformation so a Manny Ellis case doesn't happen again in Tacoma. And I think we've done some things to help that when we think about reform or transformation. I didn't talk about body cameras and now using ARP funding to get dash cameras. Um, but it, it's, it's, it's tough and it cuts in so many ways that affect so many people. There are many folks who are upset at the city that you talk about due process that that those officers are not were not fired or were or are still on the the city payroll let's say yep um and that they are going i guess my question would be why can't they go through due process not as an employees why why what does it take to get fired yeah so let's be very clear. So there in city of Tacoma, we have a city management form of government. So I want I want to I want to continue to remind people that I don't have the authority to hire and fire anybody but the city manager. Neither does the council. Um, so and I, and I think the easiest way to understand. Well, so let me back up. Let's be really clear that the other thing that needs to be changed in the system, the other thing that we've got to work on is is the contract. Because that's where a lot of barriers come in to making the kinds of decisions that, that our community, that some members of our community think that we needed to have made a year ago. Um, so, so let's be really clear about that. And, and let me just say one thing that we're doing through the contract process is we have two community members, never done in the history of Tacoma, and we, we haven't heard of it in the history of the United States where Community members are actually sitting at the bargaining table while we are working through the contract for local six, six which is our police union. So, so let me let you know. Let let's let's definitely say, um, let's definitely say that. Um, Eric, we were we were talking about mm -hmm. the the term question of firing. The, yes, uh, yeah. So the and and so. We're, we're working through that, but but the reality is if we look at what happened in Atlanta, and that's because of the contract, that the officer who shot that gentleman in the drive-thru in Atlanta, they fired him that night. Okay. 
currently, right now, he is on he is back on the force on administrative leave, waiting to go to trial. They reinstated him. I don't want that to happen in Tacoma. Um, we want to make sure that um, that we are that. And is, it, is that the contract that you think is the, the reason for that? Oh, absolutely. Okay. I, I do. I, I do believe that, that the contract is the reason for that because the contract says when you can and cannot hire. And it doesn't even matter what state law says or even sometimes what what Tacoma law is. It's what the contract supersedes all of that. So the due process that police officers have is in the bargaining contract. Wow. And so when you talk about making changes, part of it is in the contract, part of it is at the state level, um, the, the, the immunity that police have, um, that's, that's something that's in the contract. And so it, it, it is, um, it's not as easy as one would think. And at the point that, that they are fired, we don't want the situation um, that's happened in Atlanta to happen in Tacoma. And so let's be clear, while the while the attorney general has fi- has filed charges, the city is now going through its administrative review. We are not responsible for criminal charges, but the city, um, the police department and our city manager are going through the process of looking at our administrative rules to see if any administrative laws were broken. And if there were some administrative laws that were broken, then there may be action that there, then there would be action that can be taken. But we have to go through that process before we can take action. I was not planning to ask this question, but it really it occurred to me, and I think it might be important. If any of these officers are found not guilty, do they keep their jobs? Do you know? I don't know. Okay. Um, as we go through the administrative process, I would, I would, I would, I don't want to guess. I should never guess on legal matters. I understand. But as we go through the administrative process, if if there have been rules that that they've broken through the administrative process that they could be fired for, then I I think that holds up. Okay. You mentioned that that a lot of these decisions lie with the city manager or the interim chief. Um, do you have confidence in? The two in the in the leadership of the city right now, that they are working towards the same things that you are. Are they are they doing a good job? In my humble opinion, again, now um, I do, I absolutely do. Now I know a lot of people have talked about the city manager, um, and really around this issue. But I work with the city manager every day, and I see the myriad of responsibilities that she has and works on. And so people don't get to have that relationship with her, but I. To the letter of the law, um, I know that uh, while, while Elizabeth lives to the letter of the law, because that's her responsibility as the administrative leader of the city, um, I believe she will uphold what comes back in those investigations. I have no doubt at all. Okay. Um, budgets have been called moral documents to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Is there anything that you would want to see changed, put in the budget, removed from the budget that you think would better match that budget to our our moral character, or for lack of a better word? Well, I think I think that as we look at, if you look at our biennial general fund budget, right, over $500 million, um, and over, you know, 70%, close to 70% of that is in public safety. 
Um, that's a little hard to swallow sometimes for people. And, 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 and I even think when people who've called for defunding the police, and when I, I'd love to say, I think when people call for defunding the police, it wasn't necessarily, um, it's about reforming or transforming the police department. It's more, it's more about better service, different service, not necessarily less service. Um, and so, so, so I, so I want to say that, but the, the public safety budget also includes fire and 911 and courts. And so, yeah, what I, what I, I, I'd, I'd love, I'd, I'd love to be able to put more of that money in other departments. I mean, like our human services department, which supplied, which provides supportive services to our nonprofits and supports, you know, our safety net in our community. Um, as a former council member and as mayor, I've always advocated for more money, but, but, but public safety, the safety of our community is our paramount duty. Now, how we do it? Absolutely. The cost of it is the cost of it, which is frustrating, but it is the cost of it. But how we do it is more important to me. But public safety is our paramount duty. Um, and so so would I like to change some of it? Yeah, I'd like to have more money. <laughs> um, but, but I think like as we talk about ARPA funds, where we have more flexibility, right? 31% of our first year ARPA funds, which is the American Rescue, America Rescue Plan okay. Act, um, thirty-one percent of that are going to be spent on affordable housing and homeless services. That's wow. what I want to see our budget look like. But that that is the moral document that shows what our priorities are right now. But even in public safety, there is even in that budget, there are things that talk about um, there are things that talk about homelessness. But when I talk about how we do it. Um, that, you know, the, not just how much we spend on it, but what we, how we actually do the job. This study that just came back for divertible services, right? It's going to cost us a little bit more, and that's probably going to be deemed, end up in the public safety budget. But we're talking about getting people out on the streets who are not police officers to deal with some of our, some of our um, community members who have mental health issues or domestic violence situations, right? Those divertible services that don't need a badge and a gun. Yeah. And so but doing those kinds of things, more training, being more transparent, you know, unfortunately, that costs actually more money. If we want our, our police officers to get the training they need to be good police officers, that costs more money. Um, but but I do think if we make those investments, then we have as a community have a right to demand the kind of policing and the kind of public safety system that meets the needs of this community. And I think we've got to be able to do both. Thank you. We've talked about the most important issues affecting Tacoma right now. Is there something that you would like to see happen in Tacoma? Could be a policy, could just be something, could be fun, that's not the most pressing thing, but just something you'd like to see happen in T-Town? Oh, my goodness. There are so many things I want to see happen <laughs> in T-Town. Uh, but that's why I want to stay the mayor, because um, I want to help make some of those things happen. But, you know, as I think about just fun things. So, number one, I'll say um, one of the promises I made as when I ran was to develop a, a youth commission. Okay. And we have done that. They named themselves the Mayor's Youth Commission. I didn't choose their name. They named themselves. Um, but I'd like to see us continue to engage young people in this conversation. We have seen in the past year, I was so proud of Tacoma last year when we demonstrated, when 10,000 people marched down 6th Avenue at Stadium High School, where there were thousands of people from that the, the teachers union pulled together, the teachers pulled together. I mean, walking down, I loved leaving my office sometimes and headed down to Pacific Avenue and all of a sudden just running into a demonstration of young people, parking my car and jumping out, right? Young people 
Um, and, and let me not say it's not just around criminal justice. You look at the movement of young people fighting for our environment. And and so I want to work on all of their issues, but I want to continue to put young people at the forefront of their issues. So if I could think of just something fun to work on um, and I have to say as difficult as some of these issues are. It is still fun to be the mayor. It is still fun. <laughs> it is still fun. As, as hard as it is, it is still great to be able to wake up every day and try to make a difference in this city. And let's be clear, you don't need to be the mayor to do that. So, um, but but if you're interested in being the mayor, that's great. But it, it is, it's still a good job. Mayors are on the front line across this country. But I think I'd really like to continue to uplift the voices of young people as we as they build and look at us to help them build the kind of community they want to see when they completely take over. That's great. Thank you. Thank you. What's your closing pitch? Why vote for Victoria Woodards in the in the primary? I've had an opportunity, as I've said, um, to be in the city most of my adult life. As I tell people, this city has been incredibly good to me. Um, here you have um, a young black woman who went to school here, graduated from Lincoln High School, had a chance to serve her country, um, has had an opportunity to work in every sector in the city, um, who's had an opportunity um, to just engage with so many amazing people and who honestly, who has ha I've had so many people so into my success or to encourage and support me. And I think, honestly, that, that, that I really have an obligation to give back to the city. Um, so, and I'm committed to that. Again, it's not about calling myself the mayor. It's not about, I mean, people think there are all these great things that happen to you as the mayor. Um, but it's about, it's out of a sense of responsibility for wanting the same kind of Tacoma that I got to grow up in, grow up in that gave me the opportunity that I have now to be the mayor. What I want our community to know is that's the same, I want that same thing for everyone who lives here. The issues will be the issues. Today we're dealing with COVID. Who would have thought when I ran four years ago, we'd be dealing with a pandemic unlike anything we've ever seen. The issues will be the issues, but where you come from and how you address the issues is what's most important. And what I want to say to Tacoma is that I'm going to continue to address those issues informed by data and information, but I have a heart for the city and a heart for service and a heart for the people. And I hope that you all will look at the track record of what I've done the past three and a half years or seven years on the council or just as a member of this community and see that heart and know that while you may not agree with every decision I make, that I'm trying to make decisions in the best interest of the people who choose to call the city of destiny their home. Thank you. Thank you. If someone wants to find you on the internet, where could they do that? They can find me at victoriawoodards.com. And remember, that's W-O-O-D-A-R-D-S. Not Woodward's. No, not Woodward's and not Woodard. Okay. Right? Okay. Uh, well, as a Handberg, Hamburg, Hamburger, <laughs> I'm well aware with uh, those questions. So thank you so much, uh, Mayor Woodard's, for being on the podcast. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Eric. And can I just say thank you to you and Doug um, just for having me and just for all of the great work that you all do in lifting the voices of Tacoma and the issues. Um, really appreciate you. Thanks so much. Thank you. 
Channel 253 is a member-supported podcast network. I'm producer Doug Mackey, and I'm asking you to become a member and show your support. Citizen Tacoma is part of the Channel 253 Nerd Farmer, Interchangeable White Ladies, We Are Tacoma, Move to Tacoma, Taco Man, Flounders B Team, Crossing Division, and What Say You? This is Channel 253.